Welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Ruth Browning. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Great to be in church. I hope you're all feeling excited, enjoying church, and um, enjoying each other. But you will be glad to come back. Won't we be glad? It'll be so good to come back together again. I'm looking out at empty seats, but I look forward to them all being full of you because we love you. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Let's pray over this, this word. Father, thank you for your anointing on this word. Speak to us this morning, Father, and bless every ear that is listening and every heart that is ready for your word, Father God. We listen to you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. So, yes, we are speaking about Peter, and it's been, I'm loving this series. I'm enjoying studying for it and um, you know it's just there's so much to learn and today we are speaking about Peter's fall Peter's fall so let us go to um, the last supper and um, (laughs) I mean isn't God amazing I don't know did Paul Marshall read my notes He literally used the scriptures I'm going to use. I love the way that God does that. I'm I'm listening to his communion word going, well, that's that's the first page of my my message. He just just did the first page of my message. So that, that to me, when that happens, that is a real sign. We never set that up, by the way. That is a sign that the Holy Spirit is working and it's just amazing how that happens. So I was kind of a bit taken aback. I was like, oh, (laughs) But God is good. He does that. It's very exciting. So yes, so let's go to the Last Supper. Just imagine you're there at the Last Supper. Jesus is meeting with the 12 disciples to eat the Passover meal. He has, he's, he's poured water in a basin and washed their feet. And of course, Peter... Now, I won't go into everything that happened in too much detail, but Peter's like, oh, you can't wash my feet, Jesus. Don't, don't wash my feet. Jesus is like, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. And so then he's like, oh, okay, Lord, wash my feet and my hands, wash everything. So classic Peter, just impulsive and speaking perhaps too quickly. So he begins with that. Jesus goes on through this period in the Last Supper. They eat the meal and he does, yes, he he begins the tradition of communion at the Last Supper, taking his body and drink this wine, which is my blood. He confirms the covenant. He teaches many things. He speaks about the one who will betray him, Jesus, um, Jesus, Judas. And then in Matthew 26, 31 through to 35, he says these words. Jesus told them, this very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. And Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly, 
I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same, following after Peter's lead. And Jesus also said, Luke twenty-two thirty-one, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned back, you strengthen your brothers. So Peter's fall really begins here. It really begins here because what we have here is pride. What we have is pride. Peter's like, oh, I, that had never happened to me. I'm not going to do that. I will never fail. I'm not going to deny you. And it's just so obvious that he has this sense that he's better than he is. He doesn't realise how weak he is. Perhaps none of us realise how weak we are. I was just um, reminded of a young person I spoke to a while ago and we were having a discussion and we had a little disagreement there and his comment was, was I know I'm right. <laughs> and I just remember thinking, wow, I have never said that to a pastor or even an, an older person in authority. I just, I know I'm right. And I'm like, really? Well, we'll see about that. So that's the beginning of the fall. Let's carry on. There's pride right there. Then they go to the garden and Jesus is praying in the garden. Now, this is his enormous moment. This, he is struggling. He's coming to terms with his death, which he knows is coming, but he's just crying out to God for support. And if there's any other way, you know, Jesus, he was God, but still his flesh to go through what he went through, no physical body wants to go through that pain. And um, Peter's there, two of the other disciples, and Peter falls asleep. Now, this is a really important moment, and Peter's asleep. I, I, I actually struggle to understand how he could just fall asleep. I'm thinking of uh, recently, you know, my, my beautiful Eleanor and Caleb had their new baby girl, Estelle. So exciting. And, you know, Eleanor rang me up in the middle of the night because we had to look after Junie. So we went and um, we met at the hospital and we did the transfer. You know, it's all very exciting. We got Junie and came home again. Now, do you think I just casually went to sleep knowing that my grand daughter is being born, knowing that my daughter is giving birth, of course I didn't go back to sleep. I didn't just sort of go, oh, well, you know, big moment, but I'm tired. No, I, I, I didn't go to sleep. I stayed awake. In fact, I really stayed awake because then, you know, I got a phone call and it's like, come back in, which I did. But I wasn't asleep. In important moments, we need to, we need to pray. But Peter just fell asleep. And Jesus said to them, Matthew 26, 40, what? Could you not watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. So we saw the prideful declaration at the last summer, supper, and now only how long after, I don't know, maybe an hour or two, we see that he is weak. 
He's weak. He wants to pray, but he's too weak to stay awake. Do, hello, do we, do we know this feeling? I, I want to get up early so I can, you know, pray, but oh, I'm too tired. I really ought to pray about that, but I just, I just couldn't be bothered. I, I really ought to seek God, but I don't want to. I really ought to get up and go to church, but oh, I just want to stay in bed. We are weak sometimes, aren't we? Even it says inside, it's like, yeah, yeah, I want to, I want to, I want to do that, but uh, this, this flesh of mine, ah, oh, it's weak sometimes. And Peter realized this, and um, later, much, much later, when he wrote his letters, he said this: "Be on the alert, because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking." someone to devour. Peter knew what it felt like when the devil was tempting you and when the devil was looking to pull you down. And we need to be aware that we have an adversary. Peter was writing, maybe he was thinking about those, this, this time in his life and saying, be careful, there is an adversary, I, I fell. So he was prideful and then he was just weak and fleshy then the um, soldiers came to get Jesus and you know Jesus was giving his life and Peter at that moment sort of one of the soldiers was there and Peter just pulled out his sword and just just lashed out at him and cut off his ear so it's quite a a violent crazy outburst and a crazy moment and so here what we have is basically a violent outburst a a crazy moment I don't think you know there's no record that Peter was a violent man I don't think he had um, an intent necessarily to hurt someone he just lashed out so he there was a violence inside of him but there's also this foolish physical impulse again this can happen to all of us if any of you I mean I'm I'm not a a puncher but I know some people just they just they just want to hit something or someone or 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 do something impulsive maybe in the car sometimes you just want to get annoyed with someone like wow say something or slam on your brakes or slam on the horn or I don't know but again, that is, that is not Christ-like, those violent, crazy impulses that we have. And even if we didn't mean to hurt someone. I know a, a rather sad story um, of someone that we knew who years ago was looking after children at a Christian camp, the sort of the primary school kids and he had a sort of an old car you know a paddock basher and he um he attached he attached some kind of trailer situation with a net on it and the kids were all holding on to the net and he's you know riding through the paddocks and they're sort of bouncing around a bit and he's just having fun and they're having fun and laughing their heads off until um they sort of took a bit of a corner and one of the kids flung off the net and hit his head on a tree and and sadly died um so just just a just a terrible situation and this man who was you know trying to help kids at a christian camp found himself in court for um negligence and and yes actually went to jail 
for negligence because, I mean, he certainly didn't mean to do violence and hurt that child, but it was just a, a foolish decision and a foolish thing to do and they said, you should have, you should have known better. So here we have this violent outburst and this crazy lack of wisdom, which again happens, happen. we do this, we do this. The, the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And, and Jesus said to him, he said in John 18, 11, Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the father has given me? This is not the time for physical violence. It's not the time for physical, you know, defence in any way. Jesus knew, this is what I have to do, Peter. You've got it all wrong. And then we go, so, he, so this is kind of leading up. Things are not looking good for Peter this evening. He is not doing well on so many levels. He's, he's already missed it. And then we go to his, um, his denial. So let's look there at Matthew 26 and we'll just we'll just read a lot of this Matthew 26 69 to 75 now Peter uh, we'll read it in the NIV version now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him you also were with Jesus of Galilee she said but he denied it before them all I don't know what you're talking about he said. Then he went over to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth, but he denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away because he's a Galilean. And then he began to call down curses and he swore and he said, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed and then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. And Luke twenty-two sixty-one adds another little detail there. At that moment, the, Jesus was actually being taken and looked. And it says this, Then the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the, crow, the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. So here we have Peter's weakness and also fear. Peter was afraid. He saw Jesus being beaten. He saw him being insulted. And he just wasn't ready to deal with that. He was not nearly as bold and as brave as he thought he was. Remember, this is Peter who said in the first, you know, in the, the last supper, this very night he said this, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And here he is when, it, when the moment actually comes that he has no courage and just even the servant girls he has, he's not even strong enough to deal with them. And, of course, you know, hello, he's swearing. If you're tempted to swear or you start swearing, you know you're not in a good place. That's, that's, that should be – can I just say we should be really finished with swearing. Like that is not a part of the Christian's 
words. But here he is swearing again, so he's reverting back to his old self, and this is not good. But there it is that he, um, he it says he fled. F.B. Mayer says, only those who have suffered keen remorse will appreciate the anguish with which Peter fled from the hateful scene of his denial. Because remember, Jesus said, if you deny me, I'll deny you in heaven. So denying Jesus is a very serious thing to do. It's, it's, it's to say, I'm, I'm, I don't know him, I'm not a Christian. I... So Peter was, he must have felt so bad and he ran away and just (laughs) I'm sure we all know that feeling when we've done the wrong thing unless we try to smother over it inside of ourselves the sense of just horror and anguish and discovery of oh no I didn't know that I was like that tradition says that in coming years when Peter heard the a rooster crow he would remember of course he would remember and we have that in our life sometimes, don't we? It's a, if we've had a fall or if we've done something terrible, sometimes there's something in our world that reminds us of that moment. And maybe that's not such a bad thing to remember those, those, that terrible moment or, or moments or time or season in our life because we all have seasons where we miss it. And I just, this message is about those times when we miss it. It's, it's, I'm, I'm, I want us to look at Peter, but I want us to think perhaps a little bit more about ourselves because, you know, we all miss it. And sometimes the ways that we miss it are not small. And maybe you can relate. Maybe you've done something terrible, you know, adultery, pornography. Maybe you feel you've failed in your marriage, maybe you feel you failed as a parent or a pastor or a, a Christian or a husband or a wife. Maybe you've denied being a Christian. Maybe you've blended in with all the, the, the people of the world. Maybe you've committed a crime. Maybe you've been in prison. Maybe you've been struggling with drugs or alcohol and done some very foolish things. Maybe you've been a hypocrite or rebellious, or offended, or, or maybe you've just done everyday sins, but you've done it for a long time and you're ashamed of yourself and you feel black inside because of years of ongoing sin and bad attitudes. I don't know. I don't know, but I do know that we've all had times when we feel disqualified from, from God loving us. We feel that we're not worthy to, to serve him. Or worthy to be a Christian. We look at other Christians and think, well, they must be better than me. I know what I'm really like. So Jesus was crucified and we know that Peter saw. He was an eyewitness. We know he was an eyewitness of Jesus' death. And then Jesus rose from the dead. So let's look here and begin to see Jesus' response to Peter's failure and to our failure. After Jesus' death, Mary Magdalene was one of the first people to go to the tomb and to see 
Jesus and she also saw an angel. And in Mark 16, verse 7, when she asked, where is Jesus? The angel said, he is risen. He's not here. But go tell the disciples and Peter. And Peter, just those two words. Why didn't he just say, go tell the disciples? Peter was a disciple. When they said disciples, he was always included as one of the 12. But all of a sudden, go tell the disciples and Peter. I love those two words. It's like God knows when we need to hear our name. He knows when we need to be included specially because sometimes we feel like I'm out. I'm out of it. I'm not part of it anymore. I'm out of church or I'm, I'm not. But it's like there's all these people and you and you. He knew that Peter needed his name. He knew that Peter needed to know he was not outcast. He was still part of the disciples. He was still part of what was going on. And so it says that Peter ran to see the tomb. He ran to see Jesus and he didn't see him at that moment. But here's an interesting thing. After Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to certain individuals and those accounts are narrated with much detail and length in the Bible. I've carefully read through all this. So he met with Mary. We know he saw Mary and spoke to Mary. We know that he saw the the two travellers on the road to Emmaus. We also see the times when he met with the disciples. But here's something that we know, and it's only mentioned twice in the Bible and very briefly, he saw Peter alone at some point before all the disciples. 1 Corinthians 15.5, he was seen by Peter, the rock, then by the 12. And in Luke 24.34, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. So this is before he appeared to all the disciples. We're not told anything about this meeting Isn't God good? There are moments of deep repentance and deep mercy and deep remorse that, you know, it's private. And this is one of those moments that for whatever reason, we don't see this private meeting between Peter and Jesus. But we do imagine Peter's tears. We imagine Jesus' gentle forgiveness and mercy. And we imagine Peter's radiant sense of joy knowing that he was forgiven and that nothing can separate us from the love of God, especially our dreadful sins. So at this moment, we don't see Peter admitting and acknowledging his sin. And let me just say that to you. Maybe nobody knows about your sin. There's two kinds of sins, I guess. There's the ones that everybody knows about. God decides. He decides. Sometimes it's public, but sometimes he does. He keeps it private. Peter's sin was public, like we're talking about it right now. (laughs) But that private moment of remorse was between him and Jesus. And one thing that we do know is that Peter would have admitted and confessed his sin. And let me just encourage you to take total responsibility for your sin because 
if we shut, we can shut out the grace of God. We can stop the mercy of God. We can stop God's tender goodness towards us by hardening our hearts and not taking a responsibility. So let me just encourage you. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. If we confess, Peter definitely would have taken full responsibility. He, he Now look, of course, with most sins in our life, there are other people that are involved. You know, we can, we can blame our parents. Like, well, you know, they didn't set me, I didn't know they didn't set me up for that. Or the teachers, they told me, or society, well, everybody else is doing it. Like, how do I know? Or maybe, or maybe those seductive images. Well, what, what am I supposed to do? You know, like it's, just, it's everywhere. Or, or, you know, the older man or the, or the seductive woman or, or, you know, the situation. I, how could I control myself? I was provoked. We can do that, and Peter could have done that too, you know, and there's no record of it, but imagine him saying, well, what was I supposed to do? You know, the, the Romans, you know, they're, they're so bad, and, you know, you guys left me alone. John was there, but he'd sort of walked off, so I'm, I'm alone in the courtyard with all the Romans. I mean, it's pretty hard. What am I, you know, how, do, how am I supposed to? And, you know, Andrew, where's that? my brother? He's never around. Where's Andrew? Like, he didn't support me. So, you know, he could have had those kinds of attitudes, but he, um, he didn't. He, he was brokenhearted. And a repentant heart is like a magnet for Jesus. It draws him in with all his tenderness and his love. And he, he loves to see us sorry. We all miss it. But do we all repent? Do we all take full responsibility? No, it was me. It was my choice. Yes, there were other factors around. But you know what? I chose to sin. I did the wrong thing and I didn't have to. Listen to what Peter wrote later in 1 Peter 1.3. According to his abundant mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. In Ephesians 2 and 2 verse 4, God who is rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loves us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ and has raised us up together with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. Oh, oh, the mercy of God. It's so amazing. Don't feel that you've gone too far. Don't feel that you're too bad. Don't feel that there's no mercy for you because there is. There's mercy for us all. There's mercy for all of us. If we'll just soften our hearts. Peter just missed it in so many different ways. But there was great mercy for him and there was great love for him. His love never fails us. It never fails us. And that's, that's just what I want to encourage you with today. I want to encourage you about his mercy. And I want to encourage you to receive that mercy, to, to acknowledge where you've missed it and to know that he is good. If you've never known his mercy, please accept it now and ask him into your heart and be born again. No matter how bad you think you've been or even if you think you're okay, <laughs> accept the mercy of Jesus, which is so beautiful and so restoring and it's not just about feeling great okay well now he's now he's forgiven me that's okay now I can sort of be a Christian again no 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 in John 21 then we see how not only does the Lord forgive us but he restores us and he will take us to new places 
We don't just sort of, oh, well, I missed it. I was a terrible sinner. So now I'll just dribble along, sit at the back of church. No one, you know, God won't use me. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. So in John 21, we see this lovely chapter that John added probably much later just to let everybody know that Peter was someone to be listened to because his friend, he knew, everybody knew that Peter had missed it. But Peter was, in this instance, he was fishing with some of his uh, other disciples. They didn't catch anything until Jesus came along. And of course, you know, when Jesus is around, you catch a lot of fish. So Jesus told them how to, how to fish. And they realised it was Jesus. And Peter, of course, runs, run, gets out of the boat and runs to Jesus, who sweetly, Jesus is so beautiful. He's making a fire. This is after he's risen from the dead. He's just making a fire and preparing food for them. I love that. The risen, glorified, amazing Christ who is now in heaven with his new body. He's just making a fire for the guys. You know, just, just the humility of it. It's so beautiful. So he, he does speak to Jesus, to, to Peter at that time, and he restores him to ministry. So if we just, I'll just go quickly to John 21. And what he says is this. He says, um, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Peter says, yes. Yeah, Lord, you know, I, I love you. And he says, feed my lambs. And again, Simon, son of John. Notice he calls him Simon. He would, have been, he would have been Johnson, I guess, in these modern times. But in those days, it was Simon Bar-Jonah. And he uses the name Simon, interesting. The old name. You've got the old name, but are you going to be the new man? Are you going to be Peter? Do you love me? And he says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus says, take care of my sheep. And then the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, you know I love you. Feed my sheep, he said. Three times he said, do you love me? Three times Peter denied him. It was like Jesus was calling for that passionate devotion again. Three times, come on, Peter, love me. And so... When we failed, we can come back to Jesus if we are prepared to once again love Jesus and be passionate about it and, and go for Jesus again and declare our love for him. That is the ultimate call of a Christian. And if we love God, believe me, we will be useful for God. And Peter's call in particular was to be a pastor, to feed the lambs. But when we love him, God will call us to serve him. And notice he said, do you love me more than these? So Peter has this renewed devotion, but also he needed a new and renewed humility. He needed to learn humility because previously he thought he was, would never fail. He's learned that he would fail. And there's just an interesting play on the words there that we don't recognise. Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? And he uses the word agape, that exalted spiritual love. And Peter says, I love you. But he says, I Filio you. I love you with genuine affection. So gone is the boastful, oh, I agape you. I have the most highest form of love. Peter's now more humble, I guess, to acknowledge no priority in his love, just beautiful brotherly love. So there's a new kind of humility in, in the language there. English doesn't pick it up, but in the Greek we see See that new humility. And then finally, 
he's calling us to renew the courage. If we have failed it in the past, it doesn't mean we're going to fail again, okay? Have courage. God will look after you. He will look after you. Don't live in fear of failing again and live in fear that, oh, well, I I don't know, I'm so weak. We can get to a place sometimes where we acknowledge our weakness, but to the point where it's like, yeah, but what if I do it again? What if I fall again? Trust in God to keep you strong. Stay close to Jesus and he will give you the strength to move forward. And he did. Peter went on and we'll hear more about his ministry. He didn't fail again. In fact, he was very courageous And Peter, Jesus said to him, he actually said to him in verse 18, he predicted his death. He said, are you going to follow me? Are you going to feed my sheep? And Peter's like, yes, I will. And he says, all right, all right, Peter. But listen to me, when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus indicated the kind of death with, with which Peter would die. So Peter's saying, are you going to serve me? And, and Peter, Jesus says, are you going to serve me? Peter's like, yes. And he says, well, it's going to cost you your life. But Peter still said yes. He still said yes. So he had courage. He was ready. Peter's fall and restoration were actually a huge and important part of who he became. It was part of him shattering his self-confidence and his self-reliance and realising that in himself he was weak, but with Jesus he was strong. It caused him to realise how much he needed the Lord. It changed him from being proudful and with outbursts of violence and swearing to a man that was sweet and humble, still a leader, still strong, but recognising his need for the Lord. So if you've fallen... Maybe that will make you a better person if you repent right and you stay close with Jesus. God will use that just as he used it for Peter. This experience of the great mercy and grace of Jesus actually made Peter the rock. It made him more aware of the divine power he needed and of the divine love which carries us through. And he became more powerful in ministering that very love and that very courage to those around him. Praise God. So let's learn from Peter's fall. Let's be encouraged. If we've missed it, whether it's big or small, God loves us. And let's pray. Father in heaven, Thank you that your mercy triumphs over judgment. And I just pray for everyone listening today that they would know that you are so merciful, so loving. You don't treat us as our sins deserve because you are good. And I pray today for everyone listening that we would have repentant and soft hearts to acknowledge where we do miss it, Lord God, but to experience your grace. We love you, God. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. 
For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.